0: Well, greetings and welcome again to Bombadil's Porch. We have a special episode today as I'm joined once again by Nate Larmore and Caleb Klontz. We sit here on the porch as we do every week, but we are joined by enough people to double our numbers today, two that that have microphones and one that does not. The studio is full. Yes. I love it. So we have published authors with us yet again. It was fun a while back interviewing Toby about his book, Raise Your Own Dang Kids, and now we're going to talk about a book that takes that one generation further, uh, a book called The Grandpa's Manual. And uh, one of the authors is, is wearing his uniform, he said. Uh, we have Dave <laughs> Sutton here with us. And I should clarify, Dr. David Sutton. We have two doctors with us, but the first is Dr. David Sutton, and he's had a life full of adventure. He's told me some of the adventures he's been on that I noticed you didn't put in your bio, and maybe that was for a reason. Um, Yeah, we didn't want to (laughs) scare people off. (laughs) Who is this nut? (laughs) But traveled quite a bit, uh, worked in and out of the military. Uh, Journalism has been a major part of your life, and I know baseball is very near and dear to your heart, and you still have your red Converse All-Stars on. I do. This this uniform, I can
1: describe it. The grandkids got it. It says grandpa knows everything. What he doesn't know he makes up real fast. <laughs> <laughs>
2: An important <laughs> quality in grandpa not <laughs> the Absolutely. Then
1: the red tennis shoes is just kind of a advertisement thing. You know when I came and talked to the the youth group at the church, there's still some kids that remember not what I said, but I wore, <laughs> I wore red tennis shoes. <laughs> it's, you're very fashionable.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Be careful but, what you're wearing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But he and his wife, Vicky are here, local Spokaneites, uh, with four grown children and 15 grandkids, which slightly edges out Dr. Blake McKinley's tribe. Uh, He is with us uh, originally from, well, not originally from Alaska, but he spent a lot of time in Alaska. There's a story that uh, you may tell later about how you ended up in Alaska, because that had to do with your father and some of the lessons he taught you guys. But uh, you worked up there for a while. You also went off to dental school. Uh, You practiced uh, dentistry there in Alaska, and endodontics here in Spokane and around the world. You've uh, Taken that skill that God's given you and used it in missions contexts around the globe, which is a pretty, mm-hmm. uh, pretty neat way to use that that particular gift. And you and your wife Joan, who are who is with us here in the studio though not with a microphone, uh, you have uh, laid claim to twelve grandkids. So if I did my math right, that means that between the two of you, you represent twenty seven grandkids, which is a lot. Yeah. Right? Oh yeah. So the Suttons and the McKinleys are going to be forces to be reckoned with <laughs> <laughs> now because you're
2: both doctors if you're out having uh, a meal somewhere maybe at the applebee's and someone screams is there a doctor in the house do you both stand up do you both say yes do you ask what kind of doctor is needed how do you handle that situation Can i stay away
1: from that one yeah. <laughs> just- I just duck <laughs> <laughs> yeah no now I guess. I'm just guessing that a, a dentist has some kind of medical training to where if there was a medical emergency, could you deliver, could probably do it.
2: You'd do you deliver it?
3: a baby on an airplane or something? With, that? with a
2: clamp and, um, <laughs> you know, some kind of a
1: jaw.
3: <laughs> you don't have to worry the baby won't have any teeth.
1: So you... <laughs> That's right.
4: You know, what is interesting, though, is uh, I was out at a restaurant and and uh, somebody just popped up and went over and did the Hamlock's maneuver on this person. And I was sitting right across from them and I didn't notice that they were uh, <laughs> choking. Huh? Yeah, they were choking. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so, wow. Oh, so they were choking. You know, I was yeah. hoping oh, the
2: person yeah, yeah. needed the maneuver. Yeah, okay, did. that's yeah. good. Oh, my. But
4: it's easy to um, just be in
1: your own world, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Very true. <laughs> so I wanted to say thanks for having us. I've been wanting to sit on the porch for a while, but I'm wondering
0: where the lemonade is. Don't you sit on oh, the yeah. porch and
1: have lemonade? Or?
0: That, that part may be not entirely true. It's kind oh. of a modern country <laughs> porch, really. Um,
2: it, the smell is better, but you're right. The we are lacking in the beverage department in here. There's aren't usually we? coffee. There's often, there's often we coffee. In we need a mini there. fridge in
0: here with oh, some, libation some libation options. Some libation options. Over the we <laughs> record- kind that won't get me fired. <laughs> I yes, 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 yes. yes, a
2: particular kind of libation. The uh, <laughs> over the two and a half years, two and a half, right? Mm-hmm. We've been recording. Are we in season. I can't even remember. We are two, season three of years. Yeah. So um, Caleb has probably been the best example of of of, of exotic drink. Be, uh, vessels yes, He, oh, he yeah, used uh, to have a table he'd bring in And there was a giant Almost cooler size for water Or tea yeah. and then you had a Viking A bull's horn, horn For your tea, your hot yeah. tea mm-hmm. oh, yeah. <laughs> And Damn. now he's, Well I mean you got the travel mug over there
4: well, I tested the coffee and it's cold.
3: Uh-oh. It's <laughs> oh no good. I've game. got espresso in my office. Do you want me to go make you guys so fire that <laughs> Too up. Too late. Too late. Oh, right. That's Too true. That. But
0: turning, yeah, to the book. I, <laughs> Thanks, Chris. the a good point. Yeah, there's a smooth transition there. Is that where we're here? Uh, there's a, somebody talked once uh, about how there are a lot of people that want to say they have written a book. And not a lot of people who are willing to write one. It's a significant undertaking to shepherd a book all the way across the finish line. Uh, just a major accomplishment. And congratulations to you two for being able to hold a book in your hands that you've, you. you've produced. Yeah. What made you guys decide that uh, this world needed a grandpa's manual? Oh, that's a good one. I'm going to give that to you. And that, that you to, were the ones that needed to write it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the answer is yes. Um, I'm going to have Blake say that because Blake's tremendous value in this whole adventure has been um his original idea and uh following through with ideas and things of that sort. And then I come along and, and do my thing and we work as a team on it. But I think the original part, we were just talking about it one time. And we, just, we didn't see about a book. So i uh give it to Blake and let him answer that. Well, one of the things that happened was that
4: uh, uh, we were talking about different experiences. And uh, Dave says, you know, that would be a good good thing for a book. So that's how it actually got started it was um it wasn't anything that was any flash in the pan or or just uh wow this is a great idea but uh just
1: just from talking
4: about our experiences and mm-hmm. and so forth so
1: blake and i were talking about that yesterday and i i said that uh my wife Vicky has been wanting me to write a book for a while and i've been wanting to do that and it's the one that I'm gonna write later, is still between my ears. And <laughs> so I just tell people on the Grandpa's book that that uh, Vicky was the 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 bomb, and Blake was the fuse. So we <laughs> there go. we lit
0: the fuse, and the book came out. Nice, yeah. And th- it is the Grandpa's manual, but even yeah. as you mentioned in your book, uh, Grandmas are also incredibly oh, valuable. Absolutely. You discuss in your introduction, uh, there's a section where you said we'd like everybody who picks it up and reads it to pause and say, hmm, I never thought about that. Oh, really? And I think there's a number of chapters that probably fit that bill, yeah. <laughs> some of the <laughs> stories true, right? that you tell. But I was also intrigued, and, and both of you mentioned this because you both have an introduction. Both of you mentioned the impact of your grandpas on your life and then the wisdom that you glean from them that is represented in this book. And that struck me because if you talk about the wisdom of a father to a son, for example, you 're talking about a transference of wisdom across maybe thirty years, right um, when you 're talking about grandparenting because of the impact of your grandparents you 're now talking about a transfer of wisdom that spans over a century mm. in many cases. What do you see as maybe some of the th- the characteristics of your grandpas that are in in the most short supply in the world today if you If you can reach back to that generation and pull character qualities into this generation, what would be on the short list? There's a couple. We talk about that all the time and,
1: and, uh, even, uh, the, um, children of some people in this room. <laughs> I think, <laughs> I think the biggest thing is that, that uh, we were taught how to work hard and the value of hard work and we pass that on through the generations. My. I've got four kids, and all of them work hard, and they're never without a job. But Grandpa um, Slick it's talked about in the book. He's in the Ozark Mountains, and uh, he just went to work every day. Even after he was done in the mines and retired, he'd go to work working in the garden. He'd go out hunting, and uh, uh, even in modern times, they they use a lot of this uh, hunting skills for their food. Yeah, squirrel. Uh, great squirrel hunting in Missouri.
2: <laughs> how does squirrel taste, Dave? I, I've, I've, you know, I've read a few books where the red fern grows and there's some squirrel hunting. How does, how does the, how does the meal? Go. After how many the squirrel been hunted? And How many <laughs> squirrels is it? All a two
0: bites. <laughs> exactly. How many squirrels per meal? <laughs> two nuggets. Yeah. It tastes like chicken. No. Oh, of course. With <laughs> a slightly nutty flavor. Yeah. Yeah. I chase a rabbit
1: for just a minute. You know, I was telling Vicky the other day that that uh, Grandma and Grandpa would make uh, get the squirrel and they would make squirrel gravy and there'd be about three inches of grease. On the top, and they'd sop their biscuits in it, and they they never had any problem with cholesterol or anything. They were healthier than we are. Oh they? man, I'll tell you. But I think the value of hard work. Uh, getting back to your question, the value of hard work is something that lacks in general in this world. And uh you know, you can blame it on anything, you know, the phones and the technology and things of that sort. But it's a rarity when you find some kids that have been taught how to work hard. Hmm. And so, Blake, what do you think about
4: that? When we went to, uh, my dad and I went to Alaska in 1946, and uh, Anchorage at the time was uh, about 45 or 4,600 people. Hmm. And uh, dad was a dentist and set up his practice in Anchorage. But he did not want his kids to be raised in a big city. I think back on that now and, and really laugh because so he bought a farm 50 miles from Anchorage over a narrow gravel road and uh, that's where he raised his kids and he would every now and then tell me about uh, different kids that I knew that were in Anchorage, raised in Anchorage and they'd gone off the rails hmm. and uh, and yet uh, uh we we stayed stayed true, and uh, now we milked cows and watered cows and and picked roots and did all kinds of uh, heavy manual work. And it, but it wasn't it, it wasn't work to us. It was just the assignment of the day. And uh, but I always marvel at Dad and his perception of um, getting us away from the big city and and getting us out where we had. To, uh, not only work, but we had to think about what we were doing because Dad was off in Anchorage doing his dental work. He didn't. Uh, uh, he didn't say, "Now here's how you do it." We had to figure that out.
1: Mm-hmm. I think one of the important things, and uh, there's some some things in the the book there about uh, spiritual leadership, and uh, mm-hmm. we have found by experience that grandkids are more apt to come and talk to Grandpa mm-hmm. about some things of life mm-hmm. but they're you know they're dads of course that are spiritual leaders in their family but that's a unique role for grandpas because they can come and uh and say um what is prayer all about who is god what happens when you die and that sort of thing and we wanted to emphasize in the book it's not it's not a uh how-to book of course and we don't have any pre arranged scripts. But here's the key be ready. Because when your grandkids come and say they want an answer, and the answer, you may not be a godly person. A grandpa may not uh, be concerned about spiritual things. But the key thing is to be honest. And we encourage in the book um, if you don't know, say it and ask the kids, what do you think? And then. But the the most encouragement we have is look up the answer and we encourage them to do that. So that was, and I learned that from my grandfather Mm -hmm. and there's a lot of references to that in the book, singing in church and, you know, that sort of stuff.
2: One of the things that's impressed me about both of you guys um, just personally is that you aren't simply investing in your own actual grandkids. I think that role of grandfather, I think there are other kids that may not be blood related to either one of you, but they felt that role
1: mm-hmm.
2: and they felt that presence. And and I think as, as a um, a, just a slightly younger guy that goes to church with you guys that is so important, and I think that 's important for our listeners too that the grandpa 's manual yeah if you if, if you don 't have your own grandchildren there still there's a whole generation that is looking for wisdom Absolutely. and um, and having in the role that you guys the the testimony that you have have demonstrated here is really valuable uh Dave I mentioned to jack uh my my son is Jack Blake and um, I mentioned to him that Mr. Dave's coming on this show and he's like, Oh, what are you going to talk about? I said, we're going to talk about the book that he and Mr. Blake put together. And then I kidded with Jack. I said, uh, th- at that point, rumor has it that the title of one of these chapters is put the pig on the table, which, which, is, which is, and we start cracking up about Dave-isms. And then Jack shared some more with me. He's like, Oh, maybe he'll say one cookie short of a dozen or dumber in a sack of nails. Um, <laughs> all, these great, all these great, these great yeah. lines. And, mm-hmm. uh, and, and, and this is coming from a, a young guy. Um, that's not blood-related to you, but is spiritually related to you. And I just think it speaks to the influence that guys like you have had on our younger fellas.
4: It shows that they're listening all the time. When we uh, came here, Joan's folks were uh, in San Jose, California. Mine weren't still in Alaska. And so uh, one of the things that we did is we adopted an old lady, uh, Grandma Ruth, and she was Grandma Ruth to the kids. And uh, that's something that I think is um, really important to—and uh, uh, I'd like to see in their church that see something like that encouraged because uh, it, it fills a role for a lot of people that are here without without
2: grandparents. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sometimes they're not physically here. I know I grew up that way on the yeah. mission field, didn't have grandparents nearby. And we did the same thing, Blake. Yeah. We would adopt yeah. some right. people. I had more aunts and uncles than you can shake a stick <laughs> at if I might borrow another Davism. And, but they, we weren't blood related, but we were yeah. spiritually related. Right. And that was so meaningful. And I think too, we've got a generation yeah. of folks, even here in the valley, that are young young generation Christians their grandparents right. may not even know Christ and that just i think again the example you guys have put on not just for us slightly younger guys, but I think for other folks that have some, have a little more gray hair than we do, um, or no hair, or no hair. I'm working on getting there. Uh, <laughs> <years>. <laughs> but uh, the, the manual just seems to me to be something that is valuable for people of all ages, and and not just for your own grandkids, but for mm-hmm. the, the the young people that are looking for. Um, not just wisdom either. I think they're looking for a relationship with somebody who's
1: been there mm-hmm.
2: and has experienced a lot of different things.
1: It's devised in a way where you could give it as a um, a birth uh, gift. You're having a baby, give it to the dad, and those things, a lot of things in there, the dad can can uh, adopt or um, integrate into his life. Mm-hmm. By the way, there's a couple things that it was. Blake had said, or are, are we going to say something about surrogate grandparents? And that's a chapter. And uh, the other thing was, it's, it's amazing when we're listening to normal conversations. Well, we always say, oh, yeah, that's a chapter in our book. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's why so, this
0: is the definitive grandpa's manual. <laughs> yeah, right. right. And you, you spoke to the fact that uh, when you were starting to shop it around to some publishing houses and things, they made that comment that there really isn't a lot of literature out there along this vein. And that surprised me a little bit. You would think, (laughs) given that there's a lot of grandparents (laughs) in the world, uh, you'd think there'd be quite a bit of literature uh, targeting how to do that. Uh, There's certainly no shortage of how to be a dad, how to be a mom, uh, all that kind of stuff. But it 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 does point to the fact that I think there is a big itch to scratch in mm-hmm. our culture on what to do for that generation. Well, As you lay out your book in the different areas of life that uh, you interact with your grandkids, yeah. it's a lot right from, from play time to work time to spiritual time to the home life, to their vocation, to the military. I mean, you, you cover a lot of ground. Um, what would you say to grandparents who would look at a book like this and just say, that just is a relic of a, of a world that doesn't exist anymore. My grandkids don't seem to have any interest in me or my wisdom. It's just exhausting to imagine trying to do all of these things. My health isn't that great. Uh, uh, you know the, there, There's just not a lot of interest or opportunity. What's there for me? What would you say to, to grandparents that feel more in that category?
4: I well, think that the, th- the big thing is that <clears throat> we sometimes don't put ourselves forward. And uh, what you're saying is really an excuse to do nothing, and that's uh, that's a problem. And I, I, I'm going to just expand that comment just a little bit more. Today's, in my opinion, in today's society, <clears throat> our kids and our parents are not really coming together for anything. And uh, and uh and so consequently there's quietness around the table the dinner table if they even meet for dinner and that's uh, that's a mistake that is being made by many many parents and grandparents too so i think it's up to the grandparents or up to the parents to set the stage yeah. for coming together and uh you can't expect that kid to always be initiating yeah yeah
1: one of the things that you had had mentioned um, we tried to cover all of our bases um, one of that one of the bases is uh, not every grandparent has a relationship with their grandkid, but the the base was covered this way: Try to have some kind of relationship even if it's bad, because as we said in the beginning the of the book that grandparent or grandpas um, have a challenge with their grandkids, but sometimes the challenge of the grandkid is to get along with the grandpa. So we covered that base there. I think, uh, the other books that we did quite a bit of research on, uh, in fact, we even bought some and read them, um, is that they, uh, have a tendency to be a how to book. And mm-hmm. we make it very clear that this is not a how to book and that, that every grandpa' is as unique as a snowflake or a fingerprint, and so who are we to tell you how to be a grandpa? But we have the authority of scripture, we have the authority of experience and being around godly people, um, that elderly, the elderly, are to teach the young, and that's in scripture, and it uh, uniquely enough, it doesn't say your son or your your nephew or something but it says young people and we uh, interpret that or at least use that to say uh, grandkids we have a responsibility with our gray hair to do something besides sit and watch football all day and um so we we take that approach does that answer your question
0: yeah i think so and i hope that that would be an encouragement cuz not everybody you guys are pretty spry Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, I'm still surprised by the adventures you go on, whether it's traveling around the world for missions or splitting cords of wood up on the hill. Um, (laughs) But I know that there are some who might say, hey, that's that's great for those that could do that. But what about me? And just any level of conversation and involvement you can have with your grandchildren goes such a long way, even if you can't do all the activities Uh, as a youth pastor. It's amazing how many times I hear, well, my grandpa, this, or my grandma, that there's, there's often just a really special connection there. Uh, and, and the way that that can reinforce what they're learning from their parents, uh, sometimes be a comfort and encouragement to them in a way that's unique from their parents. That's such a valuable role. And I, you know, I hope a book like this would inspire people to do that. Do you think, uh, the season of life of being a grandpa helps, helps facilitate some of that because, uh, you don't care to put the pig on the table anymore. <laughs> I remember reading your chapter, uh, the first chapter in your difficult conversations for grandpa section on first love, and I thought, man, that's a personal chapter. That felt like a, okay. uh, was it, you know a chapter. I don't know if the, if the author would have written that some years ago. That might have hurt. And I love how it ends too. And so it goes. Sure. But is it easier in the stage of being a grandpa to have more perspective and and to be able to discuss more difficult topics? Um,
1: yeah. Yeah, we, we've experienced it. That book is not just about us. We did a lot of research and put out some uh, questionnaires and things of that sort. But there is, there is a lot of our stuff in there as being grandparents. Um. I forgot what you were going to say. Dave, I've got, one, a, one of the things, I got was, don't lose your memory.
3: I yeah. <laughs> can't, we can't remember, remember which
2: chapter that was. Yeah, right? A question just, just for our, our, on behalf of our more cosmopolitan listeners, Ooh. put the pig on the table. What is that colloquialism? What's that saying really saying?
4: That's just prior to bacon. <laughs> That's
2: <laughs> just prior to bacon. <laughs>
1: Uh, well, I, <laughs> we had, <laughs> I think it's an old Ozarkian old thing Blake had, had first mentioned, and I think I've heard that before. Or I've never heard that before, and he explained to me what it was. But it's a, it just simply means uh, – Get on with it. Get on with it. <laughs> yeah, don't take offense. <laughs> you know, you Nate. Know, there's some things that we need to talk about uh, that where we have to agree to disagree, mm-hmm. and we have to agree not to be personal. But if somebody didn't mention it to you, how can you correct what may seem so putting a pig on the table? Just say we're going to we're going to talk about it. And that's it. I don't there's no offense. There's nothing personal. But, you know, you need to comb your hair once in a while. I think there's a
2: genius in that saying, too, because you're you're warning the audience that we're going to talk about something serious. But you're warning him with a hilarious saying, too, oh, yeah. right? What a great way to start yeah. a serious uh, conversation.
4: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. I wanted to uh, mention a situation that just happened with me. Uh, we've got uh, one grandkid that has uh, been <clears throat> uh, off the rails, you might say. And so he's now in a, a semi-quasi-military camp. And uh, it's uh, 20 weeks and so forth. But I just got a letter from him, and uh, he said, uh, Grandpa, I realize now that I have been a dirtbag, <laughs> yeah. a dirtbag, yeah. and, you know, and he has, oh. and and that's, uh, but he went on and discussed it, and we discussed some other issues, and so forth, so I wrote him back, and I didn't, te- I didn't agree with him that he'd been a dirtbag, although it's accurate. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I talked about the other things that, that were important to learn mm. while he was in this camp mm. and uh, so forth. So that just happened mm-hmm. yesterday. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you, you really don't know how you're going to have an impact on these kids,
2: Mm. Right. I love mm-hmm. the way you guys proactively, uh, the business phrase over the past five years is lean mm-hmm. in, right? That's the term,
3: mm-hmm.
2: um, as opposed to being passive and kind of slouching at the conference table, lean into the conversation, become a part of things. And I think that's something that you've, uh, is a great example that, uh, being a, um, oh, patriarch, that's, that's a word that's been demonized, but, but, but having that, that mm-hmm. respected role as a grandpa, um, I love how you guys have, you've leaned in and you've leaned into the lives of your families. And, and I, I wonder not, not everybody, probably even in our listening group, not everybody uh, is comfortable with that. And, mm-hmm. and, and, and even there are some grandparents that I think may, may feel hesitant mm-hmm. about leaning in for, for any number of reasons. Do you have any advice for for those, those folks uh, to encourage them? Or do you have any advice for guys that are like me, Caleb, and Chris's age that, that may want to invite grandparents or even adopted grandparents more into the lives of our families? I think there's
4: something going on in our, in our culture today that's very destructive. And that is that um, our parents are not really looking, and our grandparents are not really looking to how they can relate to the kids and and touch sensitive subjects mm-hmm. and uh, so forth uh, this one child I was talking about is very interested in going into the military well both Dave and I had some experience in that area and so we've been able to really talk turkey with him on a subject that he's interested in and mm-hmm. I think that's a key and mm-hmm. uh, I just see there's a there's a a division between the care Parents and the um, and uh, and the kids or the grandparents and the kids.
2: Mm-hmm.
4: One other thing, I found that we were having a lack of conversation at our dinner table, where the conversation was very very shallow. Mm-hmm. So I realized in the church we were going to, they needed a pictorial directory. Now this is back in the time when you shot the film. Mm-hmm. Film now, you developed the film yourself. What's that? Yeah, right. <laughs> you developed the film, and you printed the pictures off, and you did all the, all that work. Well, if you had a bunch of light uh, film, you know, what do you do with that? And it wasn't something where myself or my wife could say, oh, no, here's the way we do it. It's something we had to really get into and talk about it as a family. I'm I'm talking about conversations we had nearly every meal. Mm-hmm. Something about mm-hmm. that. So you know, there's things like that that we can invent to do that uh, that bring us together.
1: Mm. You know, Nate, and answer to your question more specifically. Um, it's just the fact that grandparents are becoming more and more distant. Now mm. there are a lot of uh, grandparents that live within driving distance. Uh, a lot of kids are raised by their grandparents and things of that sort. But I was talking to some people over at the Retirement Center, and they said, yeah, my son got a good job in Florida, and I have a daughter that lives in Minnesota, and so on and so on. Well, I said, you don't get to see your grandkids very often. Oh, maybe once a year, two or three years. I haven't seen them in five years, and they're they're just really growing. Uh, Tradition past is it? they sat at a place of honor. Uh, in the family, but of course they were closer and we didn't have all the flights and that sort of thing. But uh, grandma and grandpa is, we've seen getting more and more put back in the shadow. And the reason is that our kids are raising their own families and they want to get their own traditions and all of that, that sort of thing. And the things that grandma and grandpa did are not as important to them. Mm. And so we, uh, I think probably a good example of that is uh, we just have too much stuff Mm. and we're saving it so that uh, the grandkids can enjoy it. And we learned the other day who wants a crystal uh, serving dish from my grandmother's wedding (laughs) that she would die to protect and it doesn't mean anything to them. Mm -hmm. So the the generation of the grandparents are kind of, weakening a little bit. That's interesting. You know,
2: in a way, uh, when we compare the world we live in today with with the world a hundred years ago, one thing you hear described sometimes is the world is so much smaller now. It feels smaller. But I think the irony is that as the world has, quote unquote, grown smaller, people have grown farther apart. And yeah. uh, for some of the very reasons you just you just mentioned, does does the book explore, I mean, for the reader, does the book explore and give give i don't know give some some sense of guidance or encouragement about how to how to keep our families from from being pulled apart by modern life.
1: No. Okay. And
2: uh <laughs> is that part 2?
1: <laughs> yeah, that's part 2. Well, I tell you we have come uh, across probably a dozen things that we could have included in this book. Mm-hmm. And uh we spent a lot of time talking about the contents and um We have addressed that a little bit, but not specifically. We kind of hinted to it. Okay. But um, yeah, that's that's the thing that the technology is separating us. And uh, there's a chapter about the technological age passing us by, and uh, our kids. You know, they can they can compose a symphony orchestra on their way to school. And they can hack into the Federal Reserve system on our lunch hour.
2: <laughs> uh, Maybe you know, they can fix it for us. Yeah. I um,
1: I text my grandson once. <laughs>
0: there you go. <laughs> That's about as far as I can go. But on the, it, we've also seen though that it is not those technologies that are ma- are making our our children wise or happy. And I've appreciated. Uh those those older couples, we have some in our youth ministry and and some in my in my life that that may not be up to date with every latest whiz bang technology that comes out, but they they're aware enough, and you guys talked about being interested in your grandkids, they're aware enough of the issues that are facing their grandkids to be able to apply wisdom mm. to those mm. situations, to be able to say, you know, I don't necessarily know how your iPhone works exactly but I know how character works and I can see the impact that that device is having on your character. And here's some things to be careful mm-hmm. of. And I don't think that that will ever stop being valuable. And I think it will become increasingly. So especially as the rate of technological progress continues to accelerate, it's going to be really important that, uh, the frog that didn't boil in that kettle is still <laughs> able to yeah, peer like, over <laughs> the edge and say, Wait. looks kind of hot in there. <laughs> you know? Well, we had <laughs> some, um, Polite
1: criticism. There's a couple of people in our church that that took the manuscript and and read it, made some comments on it. So, um, one of the places that fits right into what you were saying, uh, one of the editors that we trusted said, "Where's Where's Jesus? Where's God in this book?" Ooh. And we gave that a lot of thought. And and Chris, you were very helpful in the marketing part of it. If we If we give it a religious title or we say uh, Grandpa's Perspective on Scripture or something like that, from a marketing standpoint, we didn't feel it would get into the hands of people that could really need it. Mm -hmm. And and when they read it, they'd say, I never thought of that. So we devised a way to do that. And we talked to the kids and said, now, uh, you can find the answer to that story in the Bible. And we said it very You know, never thought of that. So, Grandpa, read your Bible, and so you'll be ready for the answer. Mm. And it was a subtle kind of thing. It's not a religious book. In the same way that it's not a humorous book, but there is some humor, and there is references to God because we make it very clear in our preface that we're strong in our faith, and that's one of the reasons that we wrote the book.
4: But, Dave, in, in the last, right at the end of the book, uh, you've included uh, some things in there that are very specific about uh, about our faith and uh, and how how to achieve the faith, how to find it, mm-hmm. and uh, where to go in the scripture to find certain parts of it. That's very specific in the last uh, few pages of the book. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's there.
2: Yeah. You know, you know I, I appreciate the balance that you guys have taken. I think sometimes as Um, I don't know how you'd characterize this, evangelical, independent, Bible-believing churchgoers. Um, I don't even know what our label is anymore, Chris. Every time we get a label, someone steals it and ruins (laughs) it. So, not that we need labels, but Christ followers. And Mm -hmm. I think sometimes the temptation in sticky situations is to quickly pull back as if you're pulling an arrow back in a bow, pull back a good scripture and just start firing away in the situation. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm and uh, and we do know that scripture will not return void we do know that the word of god is an extension of himself but i think there are times too that our testimony well, what was that old saying right share the gospel wherever you go and if po- and if needed use word or, uh, yeah. use words i think it was the, the famous faithful. quote yeah. that tertullian
0: didn't say yeah. yeah yeah well that's why i didn't credit it to anybody it's probably anonymous now <laughs> yeah. but i i think there's
2: a there's a wisdom to be found in, in, how, in, in how we work out God's word. And, mm-hmm. and we are called to obviously obey God and to obey his word. And we're called to allow it to richly saturate the way we think, the way we live. Um, but sometimes, sometimes wisdom, is, it, it doesn't necessarily start with firing a, um, a, a section of Romans and banging somebody upside the head with it. Yeah, no, you can't do that. Um, but there's other ways to walk someone through the richness and the wealth of God's word through, through various conversations. And it sounds like that's kind of an approach here in the book.
1: It is. I'd like to, yeah, I'd like to hear from Caleb because he's a potential grandfather coming up here with the age of his kids.
0: <laughs> getting closer <laughs> any minute now. <laughs> and yeah, not uh, any minute now, I hope. Uh, yeah.
3: <laughs> one, of them, one of them needs to get married first yeah. before that. Yeah. All, all of them, need to get married. <laughs> well, first. I mean, before I become a grandfather, there's a certain well, that yeah. should yeah. take place. Yes. Well we got word
1: this week that there were potential great grandparents. One wow. wow. of wow. our getting married, but you know, there's there's a lot more than you probably realize in the about the Klans family.
3: Well, oh, yeah, because Uh-oh. we got
1: and we got some information, and, and well, that we, makes we more see sense it. now. Some of these <laughs> okay. and, and we see that because we know <laughs> Caleb's dad and Josiah's grandfather, and mm. um, there's a there's more than you you think.
3: huh well, yeah. I mean, I, I picked up the book, and uh, I'm excited to read more of it. Actually, I was reading part of it to Linda, and she was just you know we were chuckling and. And, uh, she, now she wants to read it too, because, you know, of course, you know, we, we know both of you and, and we've known you both for, for a while anyway. So we can kind of hear you coming through in the stories. But, uh, but yeah, yeah I am mean, I'm excited just to read it and just to glean, you know, it got me thinking, yeah, I, I'm, I'm likely to be a grandpa. And I mean, at least in this decade, there's a good chance I'm going to be a grandpa. No. And, uh, and I want to start thinking about already the kind of relationship and impact I want to have on on my grandkids you know we've just our oldest just moved out and so already kind of thinking through that whole um just a couple of weeks ago so we're just thinking you know um man one less know,
4: mouth to feed bro. one less mouth to feed but you know <laughs> I an mean, arrow
3: that uh that's uh that's leaving the quiver and uh and uh you know just thinking through i mean as a father i think through you know some of that questioning you know did did i did i invest enough have I, you know, but it hasn't ended yet, right? I mean, he's not gone; he's yeah. still around. But, <laughs> like but uh, that. just, just thinking, man, you know, yeah. we, then, then, of course, that causes me to think about the 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 two boys oh, yeah. that I have left in the, in the home, and of course, our three girls too. You know, oh. how can I invest better in them and make sure they're prepared to step out when it's time for them to step out into life and and to to lead and to hopefully be be godly husbands and and wives yeah. and and those sorts of things. So, but uh,
1: look at your yeah. dad. But Caleb... The best way to do that is to look at your dad.
3: Yeah. Yeah.
4: Caleb, uh, you're the proof of the pudding's in the eating, right?
3: Okay. <laughs> and I, <I'm> sure <laughs> Write that down. Share Write that, that down, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> <laughs> but the fact
4: that your son's leaving, yeah. you, has yeah. left the home, spells success on your part. Sure. I hear all the time people saying... Oh, my daughter's leaving. She's going to college. I am so going to miss her. And Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking, here, this girl is going out to face the hard, cold world. Mm -hmm. She needs support from home.
3: Mm -hmm.
4: And uh, so uh, one other thing on this business of developing relationships, I I want to say uh, we have Zoom. So there's another very easy way to include Your grandparents are at a distance with your kids. But what I was actually (laughs) thinking in terms of was my uh, grandpa and grandma McKinley were uh, uh, down in uh, Tucson, Arizona, and they were getting to the age where they needed help. So, Dad put it, and we were in Alaska. Well, there's quite a difference in the thermal change between Tucson and... <laughs> Just and a the, little. And these people are, you know, and they're 89 or something. Well, that's my age, but, but they, were, they were elderly.
0: <laughs> so... At what, what, what point, Blake? Now, do you consider someone to be elderly? <laughs>
4: <laughs> well, they don't have to be much Is older. Is it triple than me. digits at this <laughs> point?
0: It's, it's not the years; it's the
2: mileage, as I understand it. There we go. I just saw my
4: cardiologist yesterday, so that tells you something. Oh, well, there you it. go. Anyway, Dad had a plumber come out and put an extra zone in their bedroom in our house in Alaska, and he did that so they would be comfortable. Mm-hmm. Now, where would you think about doing something like that? But uh, it was a lesson to me.
2: Mm-hmm. And
4: uh, and Grandpa was, uh, he was a meat butcher and uh, a meat peddler. Mm. He taught the kids how to butcher the meat and so forth, and he peddled it. But, but he was a hard worker. And mm. uh, uh, one time I was up going out to plow, it was about 4 o'clock in the morning. Of course, it's light all the time there. And... Grandpa was up. I said, Grandpa, what are you doing up? Oh, he says, tired of the bed. That was at 94.
0: (laughs) 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 But I don't Uh, see that had an impact on me. Sure. sure. Yeah. And I know you guys have both mentioned um, just that unique role that you have at that season of life. Um, You mentioned, Blake, that uh, the proof of the puddings and the (laughs) eaten, And so don't take this the wrong way, but you've both eaten a lot of pudding. You know, over the course of your life, and I think that's one of the unique things about grandpas is a young person can know a a good sound principle to live by, but they haven't tested it, right? And the generation Mm -hmm. of their parents can know that same principle, but they're implementing it but that a a grandpa can sit back and have take that same principle, but he's proved it Mm -hmm. and he's proved it over multiple seasons of life and over uh, many different kinds of challenges and tests. And I think that that's, that's something that gets underappreciated and and I'd love to hear you guys maybe share a little bit about what are some of those truths that you hold most dear that now having put them to the test over the course of your life, um uh, you you hold to be most valuable and most precious to you
1: I guess think on that for a while <laughs> I think that the the whole book uh, puts up a, a, a lot canvas so yeah, yeah there's there's a lot um some of the things uh one of our favorite also is when uh Junior high kid uh, gets dumped by his girlfriend. <laughs> you know, grandpa's it's happened before. But one of the things that ties in the uh, the older generation that grandpa grew up in, and the generations growing up now, is uh, is dating. You know, grandma dies, and now grandpa is put in that mm. area of dating, and he has an opportunity to tell the grandkids what scripture says about dating and choosing a partner for life and um it it was it was said uh, we pointed out that uh, first your spirit needs to come together when you're dating someone whether they're 85 years old or 15 years old your spirit needs to come together and that means what church are you going to go to do you believe in god where are you with christ in your life and that sort of thing. And that applies to grandpa, and that applies to the grandson or the grandkid. The second thing in dating is after your spiritual place is, is determined, what about your mental state? Um, do you want to have kids? If uh, if you do, how many? Uh, is she going to work? we Are going to have two incomes? Is she going to be a, a stay-at-home mom? Where are we going to live? Why? Close to your folks, close to mine. Are we open? And then, of course, the third is when the matrimony comes to have your bodies come together, as Scripture says. And Grandpa can easily say that because it applied to him. And the key in that whole story is make sure you get the order Mm -hmm. right. Mm Mm-hmm. And grandpa can say that to the kids because during his generation, you had to have permission from dad to hold your girlfriend's hand. And now they just say, you know, let's live together and see if it's going to work. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think that is a valuable lesson that our grandkids need to hear.
2: (coughs) Agreed. Do do either of you guys have a particular Thought or counsel or advice for for the the dads out there whose kids are still at home. Is there something a lesson learned? We talk about that you've eaten a lot of were we eating pie or pudding? I pudding. can't remember what the saying pudding. was. Yeah, we were yeah. eating pudding. Proofs okay. In so, pudding. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> proofs in the pie, that doesn't work. But but is there is there I guess just reflecting back on your legacy, is there is is there a particular bit of advice that that you think would be meaningful or useful for for these for younger dads whose kids are still at home, absolutely. And then by extension, is there a particular lesson or advice that was given to you that was just turned out to be completely wrong? <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know about that one.
4: I don't know about on. the wrong part, but I can tell you about the right part. Hmm. And the right part is that you got to sometimes you got to invent something to have a relationship with those kids, hmm. And, and, hmm. and 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 it's up to the dad to invent it. It's not up to the kids to come up with it. They may, but it's up to the dad to invent it. And mm-hmm. uh, and that's uh, I've just seen that happen in our lives so many times. Mm-hmm. And there was times when mm-hmm. I missed on that too. You know,
2: what would be some examples, Blake? Uh, just well, some things you invented to.
4: One of the things was that uh, picture pictorial directory. That was a big one. Okay. that took quite a, quite a bit of time, but um, uh, oh. We I didn't start skiing until I was forty, Ooh. so um, I was kind of, so it wasn't long before the kids were be up and down the mountain, mm. you know, I'd see you below, dad, and, you know, if <laughs> they even said anything, and so and to carry that a step further, it wasn't long also that they wanted to race, and I said, no, wait a minute, now. we started this skiing business, so we'd have a relationship together, doing something. That does not include Sunday. Sunday, we're in church. Mm. Now, that was a hard call, but it was important to make that call. So those uh, are the kind of things that you got to stay on top of what you're doing. You've got to keep the purpose in your mind because the kids will uh, find a different purpose.
1: That's a great tip. If I was, was going to go back to you, if I gave you a book, now, my advice to you would be— um, Take the first 18 years in raising your kids so that when they're 18, they're ready to leave the house. Oh, now, that's... we have talked to a lot of people say our kids lived with us until they were 35 or 36. That's not doing them any favor. Uh, I remember my experience on that. High school graduation, I came home for the high school graduation dinner, and suitcases were by the door. And my dad says, send, uh, send a word when you find work. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that Did you sick. know that was coming? <laughs> yeah, I knew, and I,
3: went out, I hope you knew that was yeah, coming. That was not <laughs> a surprise. Yeah, was yeah. And dad, all he
1: said, "You graduate from high school, he you jerk your plate off the table." And I went to dinner, and there wasn't a place. And uh, point low well taken. I was out of there as soon as I could, and it wasn't easy. But see, if a if a young dad could teach their kids, you're going to be out on your own one of these days, and. uh Explain mm-hmm. to them that we're not charging you six hundred a month for an apartment and so much for food and things of that sort. It comes with the package. And the package is we want to make sure you're ready when you when you get out. And there's a conversation with mm. grandpa about that.
0: Mm. Yeah. Uh-huh. And one of the one of the advantages to that that I think is also underappreciated is how much more time you have to be a grandpa. Because one of the things that we're seeing in our culture is that delayed adolescence, a downside to not choosing to grow up until you're 35 is that if you get around to having children, uh, you won't be alive to see your grandchildren. Mm -hmm. And so for the fact that you two have been able to not only uh, accomplish so much professionally and personally to have the life experiences you've had to raise a family, but now you're raising 27 grandkids. Mm -hmm. And like you mentioned, you're looking around the corner at great grandkids. That is a that is a joy so many in this generation will not have simply because they didn't have the dinner table yanked yes, off the sure, table. Right, yeah. at some right. point. <laughs> well, you you look at that and and uh, you
1: you see that um, the first <laughs> the hardest part of being a parent is the first forty years. <laughs> <laughs> Because you find it your kids are boomerangs, you kick them out and they come back, you know. And uh, yeah, I can't, we,
4: I can't relate to that. <laughs>
2: when you kicked yours out, they were gone. Huh? Yeah, immediately well, downsized hey, the house.
4: Yeah, well, we haven't done that yet because the house is paid for, so so why does it?
2: In this market, you can't afford to sell and rebuy. Yeah, <laughs> true. Yeah, you know,
4: my daughter's coming in tonight at four thirty. We'll pick her up with her youngest, Seth. And and um, uh, I had a heart attack here oh, a month or six weeks ago or so, and so
0: a <laughs> no big deal. Just
4: <laughs> well, it, uh, yeah, you can make a lot out of it. It really there's a lot of lessons there. Hmm. But my daughter is flying up now. She's got six kids, six boys, hmm. and um, she's flying up. Now, I know the reason she's coming up. She wants to see Dad.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, You know, yeah.
4: that's a special thing, mm-hmm. you know, you, and especially when you look at it from that standpoint. Mm-hmm. I want to mention what you were saying about these kids leaving home. There's a story about the father taking the kid that's just getting out of high school out in the back 40, taking his plate and putting an axe through it. Mm-hmm. Now the kid gets it. He gets the message. That this, this gravy train is over, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And um, from my dad's standpoint, for me, he had us doing things that caused me to understand the world around me. And I can honestly tell you, the day I left home to go to college was just another day in my life. Mm. That, I think, is something we should all strive for. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. That uh, uh, and he did it one way; you do it a different way, you know. Mm-hmm. But still, that aspect of having kids so comfortable with the world out there mm-hmm. that uh, that it's just another day in their life.
1: Mm-hmm. And what you were saying, Chris, about um, being a grandfather longer than you were being a parent. Uh, being a grandfather gives you an opportunity to a second chance you mm-hmm. raise your grandkids the way that you perhaps did not raise your own kids mm. and uh I'm it it's happened to so many people and I'm a, not a victim of that but um I was not the kind of father that I probably should have been uh tied up in uh winning the world and getting a career and all of that kind of stuff and now uh Raising my adult kids uh, is a second chance, because uh, we're on a different plane level, but I can demonstrate um, by the advice that my own kids give me uh, to raise my grandkids, and I do things with my grandkids that I didn't do with my my own children, but I wanted to. Mm-hmm. but I just felt being young and career and working and all that didn't have time to now I got all the time in the world. Never thought I'd go zip-mining with them or racing go-karts <laughs> or anything of that
0: yeah. sort. Well, you you discussed that um, on page 113 in your manual. You said, Grandpa, again, people are watching. Now is the best opportunity ever to strengthen yourself as a role model or establish being one with your grandkids. It's worth it, and it may be something that those grandkids will pass on to their it, grandkids. And that is maybe a word of encouragement to some of our our listeners, and and uh, even to us, that uh, it's amazing how many opportunities in life God provides for the redemption of even bad decisions, uh, that even if you've made mistakes, you can repent from them and you can seek to be reinvested in, in, in what is good. Uh, and I know in our church, it's been neat to see those times when there have been estranged families and tensions there and the opportunity that sometimes this season of life has provided not only for reconciliation with children, but then for that positive influence on grandchildren and and how precious that is. Chris, I love that. Uh, A couple
2: months ago, uh, we had here at the church uh, do the men's breakfast on a monthly basis. We had a discussion around fathers and sons. And one of the uh, best things that was encouraging to me coming out of that is different guys coming up and talking about that saying to, to that very point, making the point that even though I didn't do everything right, I can, I can go and start fixing it now. Mm-hmm. And, and for course. some of us, uh, that, that road of fixing it might be a little longer, maybe a little bumpier, a little more gravel than, than others. But I think that's the beauty of, of, of being belonging to Christ is he's in the business of fixing everything. And um, in the case of, of family relationships. Those are rich, but they can also carry some deep wounds. And I, I'm a, I think it's great that it's never too late to begin to, to make a decision that I'm going to do this better. And this goes for us as dads goes for um, you guys as dads and grandparents. Uh, what a, what a great example and an encouragement. And, um, and I, I'm just, I'm, I'm thrilled to death that you guys have put uh, your experience onto paper and that that mm-hmm. paper is not just at your house, it's it's available through the world's largest company, Amazon <laughs> There you go, <laughs> and available to anyone or and everyone. everyone. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. I, I think it's fantastic. The, and also, too, as you the time comes when you guys I'm envious, you may you may go see the Lord face to face sooner than we do. When that time comes, your legacy will remain in the, in the form of this book. And I pray that that's years away because uh, we, we jealously guard our friendships here,
3: (laughs) Mm -hmm.
2: but it's fantastic. You took the effort and I've, I've only heard about how difficult it is to actually write a book (laughs) and to actually go through the process that you all went through that creative process of deciding what doesn't go in the book. And that's got to be painful, right? (laughs) Yeah.
1: This is first effort and we really learned a lot. (laughs)
2: Yeah. Well, we are grateful to you and your investment of your time and the way you poured your own heartfelt life experiences into this and pray, mm-hmm. pray that God will richly bless it and the many who read it.
0: Indeed. Thank, Thank you. You, you mentioned know, the word legacy. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Blake.
4: Oh, well, I just got to say that I am in the process of writing my memoirs. And mm. I've been encouraged by Joan to do this. And my kids have encouraged me to do it too. I'm on page 260 something wow. double spaced, but, uh but, to go back through your life and the and one of the things I'm trying to do in this write up is to explain what went into certain decisions and mm. and, and in other mm. words, so I got into dental school well, that started fifteen years before that mm. you know, and so that there's a process there that's anyway, those are some of the things that I'm trying to get into that but it's but it's exciting and i would encourage you to do that yeah. and now jonah's kept up memoirs uh her memoirs or her diary for years and uh, she's got you know notebooks full and uh, i don't have all that all, all i got was whatever's in my little peepickin picking brain you know <laughs> See, so,
1: <laughs> blake that'd be part of your legacy too Yep. I've been trying to tell him he needs to get it hardbound so other people can read it. Mm. You were going to mention something mm. about
0: legacy, Chris. Yeah, because you actually have a chapter called Grandpa's Legacy, well, a section um, called Grandpa's Legacy, and you begin it this way. Grandpa, what will be your legacy? What do you want to leave behind so people will remember you? And I wanted to sort of turn that into a question to you two in two parts. The first is, uh, what do you want the gener- your grandkids to remember most about you just as a person? What are some of those legacies that you want to pass on as a person knowing that your great, great grandkids, your great, great, great grandkids probably won't know who you are. Uh, that's just the nature of the world. Solomon talks about that in Ecclesiastes. <laughs> However, we can have an enduring impact on our family tree by the, the character that we instill. So the, the second part of the question after what do you want your grandkids to remember about you personally is if you can, if you can push uh, one set of values, or if you can alter the way that your family tree will progress, even after you are personally forgotten, what's the what is the lasting impact you would like to have on your family tree? I want
1: I put it on my gravestone, good and faithful servant. My kids, <clears throat> because I spent time in ministry, my kids and my grandkids uh, respect that greatly, and we've seen some tremendous things. But I'd like the legacy to say. He was a good and faithful servant, and a little crazy once in a while.
3: <laughs> and I, I, I think that's it because they're on track. <laughs>
1: uh, I've done some <laughs> red finishes. I've done some things done. with with the grandkids that um, most there's a lot of grand grandparents or granddads that would not do, but uh, it it fits into who I am and who my my personality is. You know, a day without learning is a wasted day. Mm. Uh, life is too short to do certain things and and uh it's fun to get crazy with them once in a while. But <laughs> I think that's a legacy that I'd like to leave behind. Mm-hmm. There's a Vicky mentions a lot of other things, but I I don't want to be remembered for how much I love baseball or mm-hmm. what an umpire I was mm-hmm. or something of that sort. This is yeah. something they can grab a hold of and they've seen it. Hmm. That's cool.
4: Well, to me, the biggest thing for for me is a legacy of being honest and being uh, and giving answers to questions or telling stories that uh, relate to the kids, but are not about the kids. But there's a purpose in uh, yeah. relating the story, and uh, so I. Uh, uh, anyway, that's that to me is. For, is that's my mode of operation is to Mm -hmm. tell stories that's
0: good that's fantastic well any final questions from you guys or or any last words you guys wanted to put in on your excellent manual before we start to wrap it up here
1: again thanks for having us Uh, it's Uh, been a pleasure we Uh, we, uh, um we're looking forward to the hardest part now and i think Mm -hmm. chris you were helpful in that dealing with the fame and fortune Ooh. Yeah, I did, yeah. One way to become famous. Is the marketing. We've had a couple mm. um we've got a couple uh speaking engagements involved, one down in Efreda, and we're still uh contacting Anties and uh Reader's Digest and some other things of that sort to see what they want to do with that. So the the getting the word out um about it. Caleb bought a, a copy online.
0: <laughs> yep. So you're one step friend, closer to best-selling yeah, authors. Yeah,
1: all of my friends bought one, so that's three now. <laughs> <laughs> I
3: should have bought a 10-pack, right? <laughs> Yeah.
0: But uh,
1: thanks for having us. We really appreciate being able to talk about it. Okay, really is a treasure.
4: Uh, this is exciting to uh, talk about the, the book and different impacts that the book can, can have. And, of course, it's only if you... It, the only way it can have an impact is to get it out there. And uh, and that's not our forte. And so mm-hmm. uh, that's going to take a little education on our part to, to do mm-hmm. that. But uh, I go to Rotary, and so last Wednesday, yesterday, I presented Rotary. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was interesting. It's One cool. of the questions was, was how much uh, friction is there, Fiction is there in the book.
2: <laughs> Probably some friction too. But
4: uh, I, well, I hadn't thought of that because they're yeah. they yeah. really they're just stories about things that we feel are very important that are important. Mm. Time to read the chapter uh, on
1: embellishing. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I was like, you do have yeah. a chapter in here. On we the topic. do. Yeah, we we have license to embellish. Yeah, know? that's part of the grandpa yeah, stage. Is.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Yep. Well, I was reminded recently by an author that the cream rises to the top and uh, through word of mouth, eventually those things that have been produced with excellence and that have something meaningful to say, they, they will eventually find their way. Again, God is faithful. And so I do hope that this will be a blessing to many. Again, the name of the book is The Grandpa's Manual by Doctors David Mm -hmm. Sutton and Blake McKinley, uh, put out by Christian Faith Publishers. You can find that on Amazon.com. So check that out if you'd like to. Uh, It's been a A pleasure to have them here on the porch today. It's an honor to have, uh, just their impact in our lives. Um, these men have also had a great impact on our church and through Mm -hmm. that on our children. So we thank you for the grandfatherly way in which you have loved our families. Look forward to seeing, uh, what other crazy adventures, uh, God still has Mm -hmm. in store for both of you. And I'll leave us with this, uh, quote from the near the end of your book, which simply says this, grandpa, Do not underestimate your wisdom, humor, and ability to be a role model. Believe it or not, your grandkids are watching your actions and listening to your every word.